Is your life chaotic, busy, stressed? Are you discouraged, frenzied, or in overdrive? Hey, keep calm and carry on. We have a few ideas for how we can help each other. This morning, I'm going to start with this. I was wrong. Now, I've always hated it when... The <laughs> yeah. I've always hated it when the newspaper makes a factual mistake and then buries the retraction on page 23 where nobody will ever see it. I just always thought it should be up front. Well, that's what I'm doing. So here it is. Last week, I showed you a video that I said, I think is real, and somebody else on staff said, I think it's a spoof. Well, they did some research after the service and found an article where the guy did it as a spoof. And he did it because um, of the youth culture that he saw in his area. So I was wrong, okay? Now, will that cause problems for me? No, I'm wrong. I'm wrong often. I can admit it. The only place that I could see this being difficult is at home, right? Yeah, that was the initial yell out. Um, she's now excited that this may be a trend. It's not, so just deal with it, okay? Um, what we're in is a series that we've called Keep Calm and Carry On. And it's about what happens to us when something comes into our life that steals our calm away. You, you feel it. Your peace goes. This morning it happened to me when I set up my illustration counting on boiling water and I never got it to boil. And so I was, I was all worked up about that. And at one point I'm praying, God, boil the water. And he's like, really? Like, Dude, you're about to go talk about this. Yeah, I still need this too. See, it could be the smallest thing that takes your calm away. It could be a, a missed appointment that you had or you showed up late or you got a ticket or some, something small. And it messes you up, maybe for the day, maybe for a little longer. But there are, there are bigger things, right, that steal our calm where Maybe we're in a relationship and we're not sure God can heal that. Or we're in a conflict at work and we don't know if we can survive what's going on there. Or, or, or there's all kinds of things where I wonder if I'm going to connect with this kid that I have. Or if I can overcome this situation that I'm in with them right now. And you find your place where your calm has been taken from you. In fact, you would try to think back and remember when you've had it. And you can't remember when you've had that sense of peace or calm. It's been taken from you for so long. And so we, we've been asking ourselves, what do we do? How can, is there anything that we can do to help each other be calm and carry on? And that's, that's where we've been talking with this series. And we've been talking about a tool that God gives us to use in each other's lives. It's not for you, for you. It's for you to use with somebody else. That's the power of it. And so we've talked about support. We've talked about encouragement. Or um, we've talked about coaching. And, uh, and we've looked at different ways that you can use the tool of encouragement in people's lives so that you can help them stay calm and carry on. To get through life when life heats up or gets stirred up, so that they can keep moving forward and something good can happen. This morning, we're, we're going to do something a little bit different. 
We're going to talk about another thing that you can do, but it's going to come way at the end of this. Because what I, want, what I want to mess with is something that you can do to help somebody with a life-saving feeling. And I know as soon as I say that, in the church, um, that's not always been a welcome topic. Uh, the church has addressed feelings in really negative ways at times, and honestly, I understand why. We live in a culture right now that says, if it feels right, do it. Your feelings inform your choices and decisions. And as long as you're listening to your feelings, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yes, you can, often. It's, it's why um, we would look at you and say, hey, there's stuff in the scriptures that help you see what's true, what's right, what's good, and to do that. We use logic to figure out some evidence, and then that evidence helps us figure out how to live. But sometimes we go to the flip side. And we just say, live based on evidence alone. Don't listen to your feelings. And here's the problem. You were made in God's image. The whole package. So he wants you to think logically. He wants you to find evidence to base what you would do stuff on. But he also made you a feeling creature. So somebody that has feelings that inform logic and logic inform feeling. And these things work together really well to create a healthy life. And this morning, we're gonna look at something that gets expressed in the scriptures as a feeling. It has components of logic with it. It's, it's really beautiful, it's good. But we're gonna spend our time figuring out um, how valuable it is. We're gonna understand how, how it's made up. And we're even gonna understand that um, its effectiveness in working in our lives before we ever get to a place where we ask ourselves, how can, how can I help somebody else with this? Because I think most of our problems have been in not understanding hope, not understanding how to um, have it in our own lives, how to um, understand it in somebody else's lives. And here's the thing, it's really important. It's, it's one of the big, big ideas that you'll find in the scriptures. Now before I take you to the scriptures and get this started, I've, I've got to get some stuff going with my illustration. So, Brian, would you come up and help me with this real quick? Um, will you give Brian a hand? He's been, been willing to do this. And whether it boils or not, everything's going to be fine. Okay. Uh, I'll let you have that for a second. Could you identify what we have on the plate right here? Some pasta. What, what, what state is it in? Is it's a solid. Solid? Okay, so it's not cooked? It's not cooked. Okay. Um, could you, it's raw. Okay, could you break it up and put it in there? Whoa, almost put out an eye. Okay, um, what else do we have on the plate? Uh, solid eggs. Solid eggs. Are they hard boiled or not? I don't think so. You don't think so? Hey, listen, um, somebody told me this. I just learned, I'm like the egg whisperer now. Um, they told me if you spin an egg and it spins, it's hard boiled. If it won't spin, it's not cooked. You also told us that video was real last week. <laughs> I've really got to think about who I invite up here. The last guy gave me crap too, man. Okay, okay. Cooked, not cooked. Not cooked. Not cooked. Okay, could you throw that in the water? No, not, not throw. It's hot. Yeah, just... Okay, sweet. 
All right, and then what's, what's in here? Coffee grounds. Oh, so would you drink it? No. No, okay. Um, so how about if you take and you pour that in there? Okay. Perfect. That's all I need for right now. I'll call you up later when we act. Oh, yeah, give him a hand, right? He did a good job except for the harassment, all right? Is hope as important as it seems? Last week we were talking about coaching. I took you to Hebrews chapter 10. I showed you a verse where I think it detailed out really well the different aspects of coaching. The verse right before it, which we read, I want to read again. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and it says this. Let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess. How unyieldingly, right? Hold to hope. And then it gives us kind of a clue here, which I think is really cool. For he who promised is faithful. It also gives us the source of hope. The source of hope comes from something bigger than ourselves, that gives us a, a legitimate reason to think that something is worth holding out hope for. But he's saying, listen, hold tight to this. Is hope anywhere else in the scriptures? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul's writing to a little church in Corinth about love, the value of love. And he starts talking about um, some stuff at the end of that chapter where he says, there are things in life that we did as kids that we get rid of when we get older. We grow up. And we put those things out of our lives. But these three remain. He said, these three things, it doesn't matter, young, middle-aged, old, they're of value for our life. Faith, hope, and love. Now listen, he goes on to say, love's the greatest, but hope still makes the top three. There's something about it that God says, this is really valuable, really important for your life. But if I were to take you to a section of scripture and say, hey, if, if you want to know more about hope, you should look at this in your personal devotions. You should spend some time thinking about this, wrestling through this. It would be Romans chapter 15. Paul's writing to a little church in the capital of Rome, and he's, and he's talking to these Christians who are at the heart of difficulty. And he starts chapter 15 by talking about how we support those who are weak, which sounds like the encouragement we've all been talking about, but in verse 4, he says something that I think is pretty cool. Here's it, here it is. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. He's not talking about the Gospels. Those, those aren't out for Paul to, to deal with at this point. He's reaching all the way back. So everything that we would consider Old Testament, he would have looked back and said, listen, Torah, everything in the Tanakh, um, the histories, the um, wisdom books, the prophets, all of that stuff was given to us to teach us. And then he says, this is what I'm hoping it will do. As you're taught, this is what happens. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, the, the stuff that you see there that people endured, and the encouragement they provide, the encouragement that reading those scriptures provide, listen to what he says. We might have hope. One of the reasons that you have a text that God find a way 
to bring all the way 2,000 years later to put into your hand is, is, is so as you digested it, as you see what's in its pages, it would build hope in you. It would create this sense of maybe it's possible. Maybe it's okay. Maybe this is something I could do. Now, you got to remember this little verse right here, this chapter, was written to a group of people who um, were at the capital of the Roman Empire. And so when somebody decided, and, and it, would, it would turn on and turn off, depending on who was emperor, when they decided to persecute, it would start right then in that little church. And they'd have to go underground and hide or be tortured or killed. And so Paul's looking at this little group, and what does he offer them? Could it really be that big of a difference maker? I want to suggest it is because of what makes up hope. There's two, there's two primary components that make up hope. That when you look about, um, when you look in your own life and ask, am I wrestling with a place where I'm feeling hopeless right now? Or you're talking to somebody else who feels like they've lost hope. You should have these two things in mind because these are what's setting the stage for how they live. One is what people believe. Your beliefs impact your hope. So if you believe that God acts a certain way or doesn't act a certain way or doesn't care about you, you'll act on that. If you believe something about the other person you're in a situation with, that could change the way you respond. Your beliefs have a huge impact in whether you're choosing to have hope in your life or not. And, and we sometimes make a big mistake because we've watched people operate with beliefs that are messed up. And so they're doing things that we step back and go, well, that's, that's not realistic. I, I think you're being a little bit delusional with what you believe. And because we don't want that, we don't want to be on that extreme of things, we choose realism, and often, the basis for our giving up, for our quitting, for our stopping, is that we're just being realistic. It's just realistic that this relationship can't be repaired. It's just realistic that I can't get the grade in this class. I'm going to quit trying. It's just realistic that this isn't going to work out at work. And so I disappear. I'm out of here. I'm done. And all of a sudden... The basis for our realism decides how we live our life. But here's a big problem. See, the foundation, the source of hope is God. And see, when you introduce God into your scenario, it changes the possibilities for what's realistic or not. And if you haven't engaged God in your life with what's possible, what he could do, what he might want to do through your life, you're missing out on a chance to stay calm and carry on. Because your belief, though it seems logical at the time, convinces you that you should give up when maybe you shouldn't have. Now, there are moments, I get it, there are moments when it's time to just stop. And God would be in that moment with you too, guiding you, connecting you, pushing you along. But what happens too often is our decisions, our beliefs, are often made without inquiring what God really wants us to think about. 
what God wants us to believe. Almost all the time, we pray for the water to boil. Right? We pray for the circumstance to be solved. We want that dealt with, and we've never considered what beliefs have brought us to this moment in our lives. And when you get to a place where you're feeling like giving up, or maybe you're already there, where you have a sense of hopelessness, you should be asking yourself, what belief has carried me to this part? And has God been introduced into this at all for me? Or have I just decided these things on my own? Now, here's the thing. You may do all of that work and realize, I think God's big. I think he can do whatever he wants. I think he's chosen to be quiet in my situation, and I don't know why. So my beliefs are okay, Blair, but I still don't feel a sense of hope. What else could be wrong? Well, there's a second component. There's a second component to this that's a, that works just as much as belief does, and that's expectations. The expectations that I possess um, cause me to either have hope or not. And sometimes the expectations that people have are just crazy. I've, I've met people, and I'm not joking, that thought they would solve their financial difficulty by winning the lottery, right? And you're like, wait, is that really your plan? I mean, is that what you're holding out for? Because if, if you're expecting God to deliver a lottery win for you to fix this, you're probably going to be disappointed. And at some point, you're going to lose hope. So sometimes we set these expectations for what we want God to do in our situation. Here's how I want this to play out, God. And if I don't see it playing out this way, you're not doing your job. And that justifies me feeling hopeless, quitting, giving up, walking away. Sometimes in the area of expectations, the problem is that we haven't even considered possibilities. That, that God would say, no, I, I'm, I made you for more. I, I think you're considerably more than what you think you are. And you need to broaden your view of what I could do through you. Uh, that actually happened with somebody on our staff. I uh, asked her if she'd be willing to share that story, and she said yes, so I want you to check this out. When our girls were young, and Jeff and I were uh, helping with youth group at our church that we were at at the time, they asked if he would come and play guitar, and he hadn't played in years and decided to pick it up again and started playing for them and really enjoyed it and uh, just started coming up with music on his own, but he could never come up with words. So he asked me one day to come up with some lyrics and you know I was a stay-at-home mom and busy with the kids and uh, I said, you know, I can't do that. I'm no songwriter. And he said a couple words to me that really kind of changed how I thought about myself, he said, well, why not? You know, songwriters are just people like you that talk, talk about what they know. And so I kind of shrugged it off, but a few days later, I was having a rough day as a mom, and I just sat down and wrote out on a piece of paper uh, how I was feeling and kind of thought, well, this maybe could be a song, and so I put it with one of his songs, and 
it worked and it wasn't half bad. No top 40 hit, but uh, we just found that we really enjoyed doing that. We started putting a bunch of songs together. I'd never sang in public before, and he's like, hey, why don't we start playing out? And, and I never thought I would ever do anything like that because I was, had stage fright pretty bad and uh, didn't like talking in front of people. Was really uncomfortable with that and just found I enjoyed it more than I was scared of it and so we started doing things like that and started playing for a youth group at church uh, playing keyboard which I hadn't done in years and uh, just found that we really enjoyed doing that together and and that just kind of cascaded into uh, helping with worship and just never thought I would ever do anything like that just because of the weaknesses that I had um, but just with him saying why not to so many of these things I realized I didn't have to be I didn't have to be perfect I didn't have to be uh, good at everything that I could just do it and enjoy it and, and uh, just kind of led to who I am today and I wouldn't be here if not for him Jeff and his encouragement and uh, that he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself so so that's it it wasn't very complicated right why not it's a simple question what, what I really appreciate about that story is that she said I shrugged that off that's normally the way it goes I, I shrugged that off and then I, re I realized later why not Maybe I should sit down and write. And then it cascaded. Because as the possibilities were open to, maybe God did make me to do this. Maybe I shouldn't be afraid. Maybe I should step into this stuff. She ended up in places in her life she never would have been, except her expectations were changed. Now, now here's the thing. When you begin to understand that hope is built on these two ideas. You'll understand why Paul would write, hey, the endurance that you see in the scriptures is really helpful. Because the endurance that, he, that you'd be seeing in the scriptures is people who followed through on their beliefs and got somewhere. Like, they kinda did it. And then the encouragement that the scriptures gave we're about the expectations that you could legitimately have because of how God helps you. He goes, listen, if you understand these two components, then you'll understand this. You'll understand the value of hope, and you'll understand how quickly it can change in somebody's life. Have you ever watched that? Have you ever been with somebody that you loved or cared for, and they were hanging in there? The, the heat of life was on. Like it was, it was boiling for them, and they were doing really good, and then they weren't. And it looked like they had just quit on life at times. Do you know why that happens? A belief changed or an expectation changed? Something happened at the core of who they were that starts to convince them that holding on to hope is an unrealistic and foolish thing, and we just need to face the downside of this. 
Again, there are moments where things have to change. But God wants you to be, um, hold on unswaveringly to hope because it has the ability to do some things in your life. Uh, and I'm hoping that I can illustrate that with you. Uh, Brian, could you come back up? The, the reason uh, we're talking about hope is because of what it has the ability to do in you, in others. And when you understand that, you'll understand why um, it's important enough to figure out how to share it with others, okay? Um, we had pasta in here before, right? Is it different? What's different? Oh, hold on. You can't say yes just to me. Yes. What's different? It's cooked. It, how do you know? Because it's floppy. It's floppy, okay. That's the technical term. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, and then the egg. Is that egg um, hard or soft? It's hard. How do you know? Well, eggs crack. Okay, so you can see it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at that. He was right. Okay. Yeah, it's legit. It's hard, right? Yeah. Okay, and then we looked at this thing over here. Oh, man. Do you drink coffee? Uh, with like half creamer and half coffee. I put creamer and coffee in it. Yeah. Could you, would you taste that and see if it's okay? Oh. Oh, yeah, it's, it's boiling. Yeah, I'm not going to taste this. Oh, okay. But you were willing to. Yeah. Why weren't you willing to taste the last one? Because it wasn't prepared. Okay. All right, that's, that's all. You didn't see me do anything else but just put them in these things, right? Everything else that's that is, here. That is correct. Okay, no magic tricks. Great. Give Brian a hand. Here's what I need you to understand about hope. What often happens is that when we get into a place where the heat gets turned up and we're not really enjoying life, and we talk to God about doing something about it, you, you do what I did. You pray that God boils the water or changes the circumstance or does something like that. And what you miss is that God is always at work, but maybe not in ways that you've understood. Because sometimes God will soften you in the heat of life. He'll make your spirit more gentle He'll make you more understanding because of what you've gone through. He uses that to soften up a hard exterior that you might have so that you start to act with grace towards people that you would never experience without the heat. Sometimes God makes you harder. Some of you, because of the heat, that you find yourself in, you toughen up. You realize you can do it, that you can keep going, that, that God is with you, and that because of that, you can be tougher than you ever imagined. You can stick with it longer than you ever thought you could. And he toughens you up, and sometimes he changes you. 
in ways that make you usable. Where before, you were a little crusty, you were a little crystally. But the change happens in your life. Now listen, this is really important. If you're asleep, um, this is the time to be awake because this is worth the whole morning. This is what happens with hope. Because you pull God into the situation and because of that, he's always at work. But when you hold God at bay and you end up in these situations in your life, listen, this is what can happen. You can get soft. You can start giving up easily. You can, st- you can become emotionally unstable. You can start quitting at the first sign of trouble each time because you just want to get out of the heat. You don't see the point of it. You don't see the purpose of it. And you get soft. I met a, met a bunch of people that have gotten hard when the heat comes on. They get angry. They get bitter. They take it out on the people around them. They think it's unreasonable what they have to go through. And they become unkind. And I've met people who have changed. But the change isn't usable. It's cynicism. They become mean in the process. And the biggest difference, in my opinion, in all of that was whether there was any sense of hope that that situation could have any value in it or not because of who they trusted in. Listen to this. I love this. This is in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. The same chapter that we read the other verse in, I think you should go read the whole thing. It's, it's really cool. But Paul writes this, may the God of hope, he's identified as a God of hope. May this God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says nothing about altering your circumstances so that your life goes well. This says everything about going, I'm gonna believe that God's in there, in the mix, in the heat with me, and that there's possibly something that could happen to me in this that could be something God could use. And instead of just simply wanting the situation to go away, I accept that maybe God uses a situation that I hate and maybe even he hates. He didn't want you to be in it. It wasn't his plan. He didn't set you up for it, but you're in it right now. But he won't miss the chance to do something great in your life. And because you have that sense that a God of hope would act in that way towards you, you have hope in the midst of the heat. And you're different because of it. Now, we did all of that to get to this place right here. Is there any way I can help you or anybody else have hope? 
if it's about belief and it's about expectations, it's about these internal things that we wrestle with that nobody can see, is there any way that we can do something that offers hope to somebody else? I, I actually believe there is. But you have to understand the different pieces and how it all works together for you to do this. Here's number one. This is what I would tell you. Accept each other and our messes. We all have them. And though I believe this happens anywhere, I can speak with confidence about what happens in the church because I've grown up in it my whole life. I've had lots of conversations with people. And you, know, you want to know the number one reason that people don't share stuff with each other when they're in the heat of life? They're afraid they're going to be judged. Afraid that somebody's going to look down on them for the mess that they're in. And so they quietly carry that as long as they can until suddenly they lose hope and everybody goes, what did you do? You lost, you lost hope, but they did it because they didn't think they could actually say out loud what was happening in their life and be loved and accepted. Church, this is going on in everybody's life at different times. And if we want to be the place where hope comes in and changes it to something good, then we have to start accepting each other and the messes that we come with. That's number one. Got to start there. Number two, you've got to find a way to remind them that God's faithful with them in the midst of this, that he's burning the candle on both ends. That what they want is a solution to the problem, but what God may want is a solution in their heart. And that it's worth sticking in it, staying at it and fighting, because God may bring about a change in them that could happen no other way. Remind them that he's faithful, that that hope is worth holding on to that their beliefs are worth examining, that their expectations are worth thinking about. Because there is a God of hope at work in their lives. And the last one, you bring that up, my mind's gone blank. Ah, uh, thank you. Point them to what's true. This is really hard at times. It's really hard at times to look at the people that you love and sometimes tell them what's true. But what's true is going to be the thing that gives them realistic expectations. What's true is that God is there with them. What's true is God is bigger than the situation that they're facing. And sometimes you just need to remind them what's true. I, I don't know. I just suspect I don't know if there's anybody here who feels hopeless right now, but I think it's a big enough group that there probably are where you, you felt like you got to the end of your rope a long time ago and you're not sure what the point is of holding on or holding out. And so I'm just going to ask, they're going to play a song. And um, maybe you're going to find yourself in that song or maybe you're going to find yourself just praying and asking God, what belief got me here? What expectation am I holding right now? 
And as you uh, process that, I want to come up and close after they're done playing. You are not alone. It's one of those lies that we believe that causes us to carry these weights for so long that we end up hopeless. There is a God of hope who will carry you and hold you close and love you. There are people who will do that too. May the God of hope find his way into your life today. Let me pray with you. God, we're the church. We want to hold the faith, hope, and love. We want those to be things that define who we are and how we are with each other. And yet the reality is we all get caught in the fires of life. Stuff gets stirred up. The heat gets turned up. And we wonder if we can make it. God, I ask that you would speak to hearts today. That the God of hope would give some confirmation that you're there with them. You're in the midst of it. And although the boiling might stop, you're going to bring about a change that could never happen any other way at the core of who they are. God, I ask that as we talk to each other, that we wouldn't just give each other easy taglines and bumper sticker phrases, that we would understand that people are really wrestling with beliefs and expectations, being accepted and being loved, and we could be there for them in a way that causes them to feel full of hope. May this be who we are and what you do in our lives. We love you, God of hope. In Jesus' name, amen.